Hello everyone and welcome to the Early Stages podcast by APX. My name is Søren and I am joined today by Jörg Reinbold, who is a serial entrepreneur, former eBay boss and today managing director of APX, Europe's leading investor for startups at the earliest stages of their ventures. Hi Jörg. Hey Søren and hey everyone and thank you so much for listening. We will be talking to founders, investors and experts to guide you, dear listener, through everything you need to know about building a successful company from scratch. So if you're thinking of starting your own business, if you already did, or just have an interest in the startup ecosystem of Europe, we think this podcast is for you. On today's episode, we will be talking about timing. Is now a good time to start the company you're thinking of? And how do you actually know this? To discuss this, we are joined today by Teddy Kim, who is Head of Venture Development at APX, where he is helping the startups from the APX portfolio of more than 120 companies grow even faster by figuring out some of the essential questions like the ones we are discussing today. Welcome, Teddy. Thanks, Soren. Thank you, Jörg. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. It's a pleasure to be here on the first podcast this year. And we are also joined by Aida Shafik and Sofia Benes, the two founders behind one of these portfolio companies, Piget, a smart debt reduction app in France. Welcome, both of you. And could you give us a quick intro to yourself and to Piget? Hi, everyone. Hi, Soren. Thank you so much for having us. Um, so I'm Sofia. And I have been CEO of Piget since June 2021. Before uh, that, I have been doing three years in mergers and acquisition within one of Europe's major banks. And on January 2021, I decided to trade this career for something a bit more exciting to something that is less predictable, aka entrepreneurship. And from there, I started to note every idea I had and I stopped when I found the one that stuck and the one that did not feel stupid the day after. So that's my story. Hi, everyone. Very happy to be here with you guys. Uh, so I'm Aida, CEO of Pigit. I am Moroccan and French, like Sofia. Uh, so I was born in Morocco and uh, born and raised. And then I came to Paris uh, nine years ago for studies. So I have a different background from Sofia. I started my career in consulting. Uh, I spent three years in a strategy consulting firm and then one year in a corporate group within the M&A strategy team. A few months ago, I co-founded Pigit with Sofia. So maybe just to give a, a short introduction on Pigit. So Pigit is the first European smart debt reduction app. We help people save money unconsciously and without effort. And we use those savings to make early debt repayment in order to uh, help them get rid of their debt more quickly. So we are addressing all types of loans, whether mortgage, auto, student loans, or any other uh, consumer loans. Super cool. And it's great to have you with us today, calling in from Paris and Amsterdam. We look forward to hearing some of your learnings and anecdotes around uh, specifically timing. Before we get into that, I want to take a little journey in the time machine, Jörg, and apologize for the making it sound like it's ages ago. But you started your first company, Denkwerk, in 1994. Though most people probably know you as one of the founders behind Alando, founded in 1999 which was sold to eBay within half a year from, from starting the company. Connected to timing, did you and your co-founders back then know that the timing for Orlando was great back then? 
Yeah, we had we had the feeling that the timing could be great. Back then, the world was different. So um, there were not that many venture capital finance companies or business angels. So I think we had... Um, We had six business angels and I think four of them, we had to explain the concept of being a business angel before they invested. They understood that they are going to invest in, in us as a team. And um, I think these days the internet had started and, and more and more people were going online. And we had the feeling that if we execute fast, and I think that's something that is always good if you start a company and gain traction and momentum th there might be a time when there, there could be a fit to grow even faster and when we were planning our second financing round a few weeks after our launch in in 99 one of the banks we were working with goldman sachs back then you would work with goldman sachs when you did a startup they they said oh the timing could be really good right now because ebay just went public They want to grow internationally. They want to try out different growth schemes. Would you be interested in talking to them? And then we actually said, yes, we want to talk to them. Not so much because we had the idea that we would sell our company to them, but rather because we wanted to learn from Pierre, the founder. So we, because he had built eBay and he had um, done something that we had seen from afar. We had seen that he created this company and he immediately hired extremely brilliant people. And we wanted to learn how he did that. And uh, yeah, then this escalated in a, in a very nice way. So there are obviously here, uh, Jörg, some of the learnings that are probably still very valid today. Let's move over to Teddy also to get sort of a verification on that. But in terms of executing fast, uh, building traction, but also having a feeling for like certain dynamics in the market are definitely like interesting observations from your time back then. But Teddy, let's let's jump from 1999 to today. And I know this is a bit of a, a general question, but but would you say that now is a great time to start a company? Yeah, it's a, it's a big time jump. I'm just trying to remember what I was doing in 99, York. I think I was still learning uh, algebra. <laughs> so was, or learning to ride the ago. bike or being some, for yeah. some on the call, maybe they were just an idea of their parents or not even that. <laughs> a, a beautiful, great idea, hopefully. Uh, but no, I think that segues quite nicely. So, so to your point, is now, do we think, a good time to build a startup company? I mean, the short answer, I think, is yes, but maybe we can dig into why we think that makes sense. And and, and the way I think about things and, and the way our team thinks about things at APX is to divide the factors related to timing into what I think of as endogenous factors. So these are things that relate to me as a potential founder and to me as an idea, a product of an idea, idea of a product that I want to launch. And then these more exogenous factors, right, which are, are let's say, a bit more market-driven um, Because I think one really interesting thing, thing that Jorg's anecdote really shed light on is availability of capital. And I think that's one of the big drivers of why people think it's such a good time to, to create a startup, even before they think about the endogenous factors about, am I the right person to be building this product? Am I the right person to understand what my consumer needs? Um, we see kind of these more exogenous factors out there saying, there's a ton of money in the market. Maybe we should build something and we could make a lot of money out of it. So I think there's, there's a blend of different factors out there, but I think... Ultimately, my, my answer is yes, um, but hopefully as we kind of learn more from Sophie and Ida about their journey of how they started the journey with, with Piggott, we'll learn a little bit more about how they tapped into understanding these more personal endogenous factors. Um, and, and maybe later we can talk more about what we call venture momentum here, because this is how at least we at APX have identified these 
early signs in which we think these endogenous factors are showing, yes, this is the team that should be building this idea. And yes, we think this is the idea that's going to create a lot of impact with their consumers and ultimately lead us to, of course, raise more money from investors, but then also build a really long, uh, sustainable and, and big business. Makes sense, Teddy. And with that, let's move over to the ones who are actually in the middle of doing this right now. And granted, you are also still early in your process with Picket, Aida and Sophia. Um, but tell us a little bit about why you decided to start uh, your company now and maybe also touch upon how, when you started your company, because it is a relatively young company still. So to use the same words as you, uh, from an endogenous perspective, I felt that I was a bit haunted by the willingness uh, of starting a company. I was always thinking about it. And then there was another exogenous factor that happened. So I was working on my day job and I was suggested by my boss to fast track a year earlier than expected. And though it was an incredible opportunity for me, I was well aware of the fact that I had to work more and when we talk about talking about working more in investment banking that means a lot of work so from there i was a bit confronted with uh, this dilemma where i was uh, either going to invest my effort into proving to my manager i was worthy of their trust or putting this effort uh, rather into fulfilling this dream and of building something of my own and something that I really uh, felt I was dedicated for and I was determined to achieve. That's interesting. And, and maybe you can also tell us a little bit about like the process and also specifically how the two of you came to decide that now is the right time to start a company for Picket. Because I know you actually have quite quite different stories and quite different ways there to, uh, to this realization. So... The, the 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 one thing that really motivated me to quit my job is without even having any idea is the fact that I felt that it has never been as easy to build traction. So that means that I felt that it customers are more reachable than ever, uh, given that people are using more and more digital platform and digital solutions. I felt that capital has never been as accessible and as um, available than ever. And last but not least, I've, I felt that there was no way for me to face a skill shortage. I felt that I was able to learn something very quick if I had the determination to do so. So I quitted without even having an idea. And then, yeah, then I started to note every idea and stopped when when I felt uh, that Piggit was the one, and the, the one that gave me purpose. It's interesting. And, and Ida, could you share your sort of story towards this uh your own, but of course also your shared, but I'm very interested in especially your own journey towards realizing that now feels like the right time to start this company. So my story is totally different from uh, from Sofia's. Of course, I've always wanted to start my company. When we met with Sofia 12 years ago, we were still very young and uh, in our prep school uh, back in Morocco. And we have always discussed about idea and brainstorm, even during class. Um, so by the way, if our, my teacher is listening today, uh, we really apologize for being uh, so talkative and, and uh, not focused at all on our math class. So... More concretely, back to COVID period um, in March 2020, I was in uh, in my uh, strategy consulting firm, and well, like 
all the consulting industry, it was all uh, paused during the COVID period. So I had a lot of uh, extra time during this, this period of time. And I decided to work with my, actually with my sister uh, who has founded a, a company a couple of years ago in Morocco. It's a very funny uh, concept of pet grooming, a, a mobile studio for pet grooming in Morocco. And I worked with her during this whole period. And I really loved uh, having this co very concrete experience of, uh, you know, founding something from uh, uh, from the ground. So since then, it, it just accelerated with Sofia. We we started to brainstorm a lot on the idea we could, uh, we could launch. In the meantime, I have uh, contracted my first uh, mortgage for an apartment uh, in Paris. It's also uh, uh, the period where I, ch I switched job and I took a very interesting one in um, in the corporate group I was working with and actually uh, I had the opportunity to work directly with one of the two co-founders of, uh, of the group so it was very much inspiring and it gave me I think a lot of also confidence in this period where I was uh, brainstorming a lot to be fair uh, it was probably not the best idea to have a mortgage and to launch a startup right after for obvious uh, financial reasons but you know uh, I just decided to work on both jobs for a, some a period of time, um, it was uh, it was very uh, exhausting. I was working holidays, uh, weekends, evenings, and then we. This is when we met actually APX. I uh, decided to, uh, you know, there's a French expression saying that I took my courage in both hands and decided to, to quit my job and uh, work full time on Piggit. So maybe maybe just to summarize. It may not seem to be the best moment for you at a personal level to, to launch a company, but I think it's uh, uh, when you have the determination and you believe very much in your idea, I think you just need to, to do it and figure it out afterwards. That's so cool that you're sharing this like personal side of it too, because obviously like, people's personal stories will differ, but there are something to be learned from everyone. And for those sitting out there thinking, can should I do this <laughs> to make this move uh, knowing that it comes with consequences obviously it takes courage and that's in itself an inspiration uh, Teddy I want to bring you in here and we can get to sort of how do you then assess at these earlier stages that you're on to something that this is the good time for the business that you are trying to build but having just heard these very sort of personal stories from Ida and Sophia can you share a little bit of sort of is this a, a general way that founders you see in the startups you work with at APX come to realize that now is a good time for them to start a company. Yeah, thanks. And I love hearing the story, Sophia and Ida. I know we've we've talked before multiple times, but just hearing it now it just brings it more to life. I just, I just love it. It's so tangible. Um, I mean, so I think your question is a really difficult one, which is why I love it. Because, I mean, what do I know? I mean, N equals one. I'm just one person. Um, and I have, yes, yeah, some observations and, and some experience of my own. But one thing that really came out of both stories, even though they're very different from Ida and Sophia's, is learning curves, right? And as Sophia kind of mentioned it, like she had a learning curve that she'd go up um, in her more traditional job, let's say investment banking. Um, it would probably been a very steep learning curve as well, um, going up. Same with Ida, switching to a new job, taking on a mortgage. It's it's a blend of personal learning curves and, and professional ones. But I think that's that's often what, what I think about when we talk with founders in these early stages, right? Pre-product, trying to figure out which customers are we going to go after? Doesn't make sense from a value proposition standpoint. Is understanding which learning curves do we have to really climb up? And here, I think again, there is a blend of the personal. So, as I, as a as a co-founder, as a CEO or COO, especially a new, a first-time founder, what learning curves do I have to establish for myself? And what do I think I need to learn to be really good at creating this next step of my venture? And then relating that to 
these, again, these endogenous factors around my business idea in terms of what do I really need to learn quickly to establish, I guess, what everyone looks for, this golden kind of mystical thing called product market fit or PMF and understanding how do I get there? Because it's so hard. Like revenues aren't going to come. And even if we do get initial revenues, I th- we think of them more as lagging indicator success. Like what investors will look at at seed, series A, series B, et cetera. When real dollars are being transferred and transacted, yes, we'll have some indicators of success. But in these early days, we don't know. So I think I would love to to figure out, I mean, that's what kind of we're working on with Pickett, but uh, kind of hear from Sophia Nido's words about, okay, how do we kind of bring this back a step forward? Even before we figure out who is our ideal customer um, for Pickett, it's people working with mortgages and, and different types of loan loan instruments, but understanding what really binds the initial set of customers we want to work with. Do we really understand the nature of the problem that binds these core groups or atomic units together? And how do we really sh- demonstrate to ourselves and our own learning curves that we're actually delivering the, the value that we think we should be to these customers? So that, I think, is, is the most difficult part. But I think if anyone who decides to become a founder can see these learning curves for him or herself, um, they should be on a track to to launch what I think is a very promising promising venture. Can I make a comment? Because I think everything you just said, Teddy, makes total sense. I think there's another thing on a personal level that also needs to be there, and that's the personal ability to deal with insecurity and to deal with not knowing what's going to happen and seeing this as a good thing and not as a negative thing. Because I think as a founder, you can do all these things only if you don't go crazy while not knowing what's going to happen and this is i think something that that you need to, to you need to listen to yourself how can i deal with insecurity how can i deal with not knowing and how can i deal with the chances that i have in front of me and not so much with the with the risks there and that's why we i think spent time working on both dimensions like creating the fundament that you have the knowledge the ability and also the tools for yourself to do this with a positive mindset and then also like bridging the time until you have product market fit where you can actually show to an investor if you put in one euro we'll do what we do And then the one euro is one euro ten. Then you can get all the the capital in the world for your company. Until then, and this is, I think, why Teddy Sören and I love working with you very early stage founders so much, is um, it's about weak signals in the beginning. I don't think it makes too much sense to look at hardcore KPIs. It's, I think, more um, interesting to, to look at Yeah, momentum that you develop with your idea, with your team, with your co-founders. And uh, yeah, there are, as you know, multiple dimensions. Uh, but I think the time today is not enough to go through all of them. How how this momentum can manifest and how hopefully then together we can help you to, to raise more capital for your company. And I would say that topics such as uh, insecurity or, or early decision making and also digging into product market fit, PMF, are, are things that we will most likely or definitely explore in the series because there are many facets to this. But on the specific area of, of timing and, and getting in, into realizing that the timing is right, uh, Ida and Sophia, from what Teddy said, What do you want? Uh, how do you see what Teddy said, and, and do you want to make sort of a comment from your personal side with with your learnings on this? I completely agree. Super interesting topics, uh, especially with the, the ability to dive between the the insecurity of not knowing what's going to happen, and also 
the feeling that you're still in control of your life because you're taking the leap into entrepreneurship and doing something that really matters to you. But in terms of timing, what we felt is that for our specific product, uh, for Pigit, we felt that there was a burden that was not tackled yet. Uh, and that is the debt uh, burden, which is as much psychological as financial. And we felt, we noticed that a lot of fintech players were launching companies that are using the painless uh, savings methods for investment purposes, for simple saving purposes. But we felt that there was no solution that was uh, here to tap into the untouched market of the debt relief industry. So this moment where we noticed that uh, this element uh, was the moment where we said to ourselves that we were on to something market-wise. yeah, market -wise. And I think that's really interesting. And, and you are now saying you, you've, you felt it, but could you also like, mention what were the couple of things that you then did to, to verify that that feeling was uh, grounded in, in reality? So of course that that is not something intuitive. You have to do your background check and do the the benchmarking and research. Uh, from my personal background, I was encountering a lot of business models in fintech landscape, and I've seen that this was missing, that something was missing. And then, in the same time, Ada came with all her reality and all the burden that she really felt on the personal level. So you have to combine both a bit of market research, but also also something that you feel intuition, something that means something to you. And also maybe to, to complement on what Sophia just said, it's also we have also um, mobilized a lot our network, whether uh, friends, investment companies, uh, investment funds in VCs, um, other also startup founders. We spoke with a lot of people and we were always uh, willing to be challenged and we were always uh, trying to, to get the best uh, the best answer and to say, okay, this, this is something I, we haven't thought about yet, so uh, we need really to figure it out. And um, yeah, very concretely, I think uh, it started when we realized that uh, people were actually, uh, we were able to tackle a lot of issues and that people were actually uh, like educated and knowledgeable people were actually interested in the concept. And also when we spoke with debt holders themselves, we had like a customer validation um, from their side. And this is when we, we said, okay, now now it's, it's probably the, a good idea and now we should just uh, go down the road and uh, kill it. Let's say it uh, this way. Well, that's super interesting. And I think obviously APX believes very much in your approach. Otherwise, APX wouldn't have invested into you. Uh, we believe very much in your company, obviously. But Teddy, maybe you could take it up to the helicopter a bit and say, like, what are the things you can generally do when you, are, when you want to find out um, whether or not the timing is right? How do you assess when this is so early, if this is a good time to start the company that you are uh, dreaming of? Yeah, I mean, I think Ida provided such a, and Sophie provided such a, a real example of, I think, how a lot of people do this, which is kind of starting from a, a market overview landscape, saying, hey, from a market perspective, we think there is a, a blank space here in terms of solutions that are currently out there. And then quickly zoom in on, in this case, it was even easier when Sophia met Ida to realize, oh, there is a, a demographic of people, and maybe demographic is the wrong word, but personas of people who are encountering the very same issue we think 
there that exists because there is a gap in the market in terms of a solution set. And then diving even a little bit deeper and saying, okay, we have this hypothesis. Now we want to test it and refine it further and further. Um, just like scientists do in the lab, but now a lot of people have been doing with business models for, for decades, really, and understanding, okay, we have this hypothesis that not a lot of people are building instruments to help or services to help us manage debt better. Why is that? Figuring out, oh, who are the people who experience this pain the most? And most likely will be the ones who become the early adopters of a solution. And then finding what binds these people together, as mentioned earlier, and then narrowing it down, even if it's just a group of 100 people. I think, Ida, you were speaking with probably even smaller <laughs> initial communities of people with the shared, shared problem. But then quickly escalating that to saying, oh, we know where these people inhabit, let's say, in the real world, in the digital world, and see how they interact, what is their wallet spend, what are they looking at different terms of products and services, and really narrowing down on that value proposition. Um, I feel like a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about the MVP, the minimum viable product, but I think we're more fans of thinking about the minimum viable hypothesis and testing even before we build like a, an actual digital product. Do we think the problem that we've focused on is the right one? And do we think this solution is the right way to solve it? Uh, and, and just testing those hypotheses even before we build. I want to bring Jörg in here as well and speak to like, as an investor, can you share why you believe the, the timing was so right that APX wanted to invest in Picket and also on sort of a more general, general level? How did APX assess it and how do you usually do it? You mentioned already that traction is not as important at these very early stages, but could you elaborate on that? Yeah, so basically we look at three questions. Why you, why this, why now? Timing is the why now part. Why you? After our first conversations, we, we it was very clear that, that you will do something great. Then why this? Um, we, we think that debt is a topic that... Um, that needs to be addressed, that can be addressed, where the timing, and now the timing comes, where the timing might be right to address it in a positive way and like drag it into the light and say, this is not something you need to be afraid of. It's something you can actively manage. You can take your life in your own hands and become debt-free. And then maybe even with uh, now having learned how to, how to use your money that you make, can turn this into into something where you maybe are able to save or, or, or save for something. So this this we found super interesting. And timing-wise, I think still it is the time where people really think about like taking, the, not everyone, but quite a lot of people are thinking a lot about how can I take my faith in my own hands and what can I do and how can I actively live my life? Yeah, we, we, we thought that the team with this idea is exactly at the right time. Also with all the digital banking money transfer opportunities coming into play and everyone getting used to managing their finances online, um, we think the timing is perfect. That's why we invested and that's why we'll keep investing. I, I think there are some elements in the fintech space uh, that are happening right now, such as open banking. And, uh, and that's something that creates so many opportunities. Um, and that's something that concerns us uh, for Pigit, but concerns so many also other entrepreneurs. 
And, and also on the specific field of debt, it's also a perfect moment to launch a product like uh, like ours, just because uh, we have never have uh, that many debt holders today in Europe, uh, thanks to the low interest rates that we had over the past years. Also, the the, the average amount borrowed has increased so much over the past years, uh, whether uh, for student loans, sorry, because of the tuition fees that have skyrocketed over the past years, whether it's for auto loans, whether it's for mortgage. It was also actually a very good timing also on the specific, not only on the fintech industry, but on the specific debt um, niche, let's say. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a European topic with different, it's actually a global topic, but let's start in Europe first. It's a topic that manifests in different ways in different countries. Like, for example, in Germany, there are not that many students with debt for their education because most universities are free here. But it's it's something that really, like, it can touch a lot of people and it can make their life a lot better if they deal with it. Maybe we can talk a little bit about momentum and some signals where you see today that, that all your hypotheses are actually working and that the timing actually was right. Yeah, I think the best way to answer your question, Jörg, is to talk about the traction, the customer traction that we managed to build. So in, a, like, let's say three months ago, we had less than 700 uh, people in our waitlist um, who have registered uh, to because they were interested in Pigit. Today, we have more than doubled this number, and uh, this is a, a way where... Uh, like it's a total validation of the traction and we think we can still uh, go uh, far beyond that figure. Um, I can also uh, talk about the fact that um, uh, we uh, were contacted by a lot of uh, VCs or business angels over the past uh, few months, which also shows that there is traction in terms from the from the VC side as well, and also regarding recruitment, um, uh, regarding enlarging the the founder team, uh, we also um, were very very much surprised in how much people were uh, interested in joining uh, Pigit uh, because they just loved the idea and uh, they just uh, realized the, the potential as well. We took our time to have the right people uh, with us in the founding team, uh, but now we have we are already four with our CMO and our amazing CMO and amazing CTO. A couple months ago, we were only two uh, with Sofia uh, um, without any product or any MVP. Uh, and, and today we, we, yeah, we have all of this. So it's, um, I think this is how we, we validated that Piggit level, the, the, our, all our hypotheses. Nice. Yeah. Sounds makes total sense. Yeah. If I could jump back in here, I know, because what I just shared earlier, I think would be so, The, the real like, because there's this is this from Heart of Darkness. Um, the 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 actual the message is not in the kernel. It's in, within the kernel of the shell, right? So like right now, what you were saying is there's traction, which you know every founder founder kind of thinks about, but also fears. Like, am I showing the right traction? But actually, underlying this waiting list, which is amazing progress, is is actually the learnings you've had, right? Around who are the ideal customers. What really defines them? Why does our value proposition ring more true with others than, than others? And how have we narrowed down our focus in who these uh, potential customers are? Because, I mean, they haven't even really touched the real product, right? They're not even looking at their, their, their mortgages yet. So maybe if you could shed a little bit more light about those learnings, because I think that's actually probably the real value behind, behind attraction is, is around those learnings that you've had and how quickly you've been able to, to, to figure that out. 
I think, I guess at the beginning, you have to basically fake it until you make it. Uh, and that means you don't have a product yet, but you still have to sell the dream and what it will resemble at uh, the most in order to keep people interested. And the way we did it uh, for Piggit is that we are using a very humorous and funny communication for in order to keep people interested. We're also presenting the product uh, as realistically as we uh, anticipate it to be. So, yeah, th th there is this lapse of time where you still don't have the, the products between your hands and your development teams are still uh, developing it, uh, but you still have to build traction, customer traction, and still keep them interested until you have you can offer them the product you promised them. And um, you said something very interesting, Teddy, I think earlier you said that uh, people usually uh, get rushed into building the product and they are too focused in the product. For us, it's totally the opposite. And um, I, I must confess, a lot of people uh, were very surprised by our our approach uh, because we raised funds, uh, we uh, uh, enlarged the founding team, uh, we built traction before even uh, having uh, um, anything uh, on the product. So, yeah, um, I think it's important that people are not too focused on the product because it, it, it will happen eventually like uh, it, there's no doubt about it um, but yeah don't hesitate people shouldn't hesitate in changing the classical path of uh, building a product and then finding customers which I don't think is, is the right thing to do by the way but, uh, but yeah it's interesting and that's all we had time for for today we still have plenty of topics to go through so make sure to tune in in two weeks time when we are back and if you have feedback or topic ideas you can email me at cern at apx.vc or comment on the episode via our social media at APX Berlin. The Early Stages is a podcast by APX produced by Wakebird. Thanks to Yannick, Helen, Austin and Jörg for helping out, to our panel for joining and to you for listening. My name is Soren Nielsen and I will be back in two weeks time. We will end today's episode with a voice message we've received from one company in the APX portfolio whom we've asked to share one thing they wish they would have known before they started their company. Here's what they said. Hello, my name's Ivan Tan from London. I'm the co-founder of Human Life, a startup that repurposes old influencer videos into stock videos to licensed advertisers and publishers. One thing I wish I'd known before I started my company is to always keep a firm eye on the grand vision, but to have a clear plan for the progressive steps on getting there. Because as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. Oh, 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 oh